I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Andrew Haley. He's a Paralympic athlete. Let's talk about it. That's what my mom sounds like when she comes to our shows. Yeah, Jerry goes, Mom? Is that you? <laughs> you can be my mom if you like. Um, uh, Andrew, hello. Hi, how Welcome. you doing? Thanks for coming to uh, hang out with us and sit on the... Uh, this is like Oprah's couch. This, I know, it's very, uh, it's very cozy. It's a very different setup. We got here earlier today and, I, and we were going to set it up like we normally do and have our stands and all of our gear and stuff. This is just such a much nicer little fireside yeah, like way it. to do stuff. I like to sit forward though and be engaged and you know be ready for like whatever, <laughs> whatever content might be coming out. Whatever of might happen. Mouth, so yeah, I'm just uh, I'm just ready to uh, to roll the punches and uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to keep up with you guys. <laughs> yeah, you the, yeah. the punches will come, my friend. Yeah, the punches I'm sure will they come. will. Absolutely. Uh, so so okay. <laughs> First off, let me just let me like get this clear. You are. Uh, I said there in the intro we're speaking to a Paralympic athlete. Um, what does that mean? What's the difference between an athlete and a Paralympic athlete? And, well, I'm gonna let you answer that first, and then there's a second follow-up question, because I've always had some confusion around another part of the other question. Okay, so go. Uh, let's go, let's put this in three parts. So there's the Olympic athlete, which is the able-bodied athlete, which essentially would probably be most people here. Your arms work, your legs work. <coughs> you may have your own issues, but for the most part, you're able-bodied. Mm -hmm. um, then there's the Special Olympic athlete who has some sort of cognitive... You're answering my, que my second question right off the bat. This yeah, is perfect. I, okay. I, I, I'm reading your mind. Okay. So the Special Olympic athlete is, um, you know, the Down syndrome or some sort of uh, a, a <clears throat> issue with the mind and, and how obviously people know what Special Olympics are. Okay. The Paralympic athlete is a physical disability. So okay. somebody who has an issue with their leg, their arm amputation, maybe they're a dwarf, maybe they're in a wheelchair, maybe they're blind. So those, those individuals would be classified as Paralympians. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, have, you ever, have you ever seen the movie Murder Ball, the documentary? Yes. It's about wheelchair rugby. Have you guys seen it? Yes, it I is have. absolutely okay. fascinating. Probably one of the most gnarly things I've ever seen it's in my the life. Cool, honestly, I think it may be the best documentary <laughs> I've ever seen. I ruined with those guys in 2000 at the Paralympics in Sydney, Australia. Oh, no, no so, way. So for they anybody are... who hasn't seen it, it's, it's wheelchair rugby. Right. Yeah. And uh, and it's one of the most aggressive um, sports I've ever seen. Like they just pound into each other, like no holds barred. Yeah. The, they <clears throat> clash together, and and it's some of the toughest like human beings I've ever seen on the planet. Like if you have a child at home that you think is not tough enough, I would probably recommend put him in a wheelchair, strap him in, and let him play murder ball. Yeah. <laughs> After that's over. They're not going to. Yeah, there's uh, no going back yeah and then that. and then expect child services to uh, be at your door <laughs> momentarily. Um, uh, so okay, well then, so you're a Paralympic athlete. Uh, you have been for quite a while. We'll get into your story, but I'm I'm going to say this right off the bat. I'm sure that some people out here who don't know your story yeah. um, are looking at you, going, "He looks pretty able-bodied." <laughs> so what is your what is your disability? What are you working with? Uh, well, uh, my, even though I live in uh, Toronto, my story is 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 100% Nova Scotian. Um, I was uh, playing with my twin brother Brett in uh, Cape Breton back. I don't even want to give up my age, but I was six, and it was a long time ago. And um, 1943. <laughs> yeah, so that was good. Um, and I hey, wait. Are you guys identical twins or fraternal? Fraternal. Okay. Yeah. So, so not a, you're not a real twin then. No, but I got a joke about I got I'm a real twin. I have an now. identical twin brother, so wow. some yeah, twin, not a, not a real twin, twin beef twins. happening here. <laughs> so uh, so I was playing around and then I just uh, I fell and uh, uh, went to the hospital and you know got diagnosed for people in the medical field and know the terms osteogenic sarcoma, which is the same as Terry Fox. And uh, my right leg, uh, part of it was amputated above the knee. So above the knee. Above mm -hmm. the knee, yeah. Wait, so did you just say you, you <laughs> fell and then you went to the hospital and then they found out? 
I fell, so you know, nobody knew beforehand that I was playing around, jumping from chair to chair, and I fell in the uh, in the aftermath of playing mm-hmm. uh, with Brett. And then that's that really happened. interesting because we are so one of our best friends who we actually met uh, through the podcast, Brandon. Um, he he also lost his leg to an osteosarcoma, and he found out um, after dropping a dumbbell on his thigh mm-hmm. and had like went to the went to the to see a doctor because it was just so painful. And that's how they, they figured it that And I think at first they actually thought that it was just like, oh yeah, you dropped the weight on your leg yeah. and there's something going on there and it's painful, but you know, it'll go away. Didn't go away. Is there something it, to that? Like to, is there something to- Like upsetting it or- Yeah, like an injury that might flare up whatever is like actually already happening within the body? Yeah. I think it just got to the point where you know, it's 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 getting weak and weak and weaker. Oh, I see. And uh, it was just it was probably ready to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, yeah. maybe if it had gone on another month, it probably would have been a you know different story. But because it's doing lucky. stuff to like your muscle and your and your well, it's on your bone. Yeah. And so it's like it's your bone is becoming like more brittle by the by the day as it right. as it grows. Right. They, right. They say that if it goes untreated, it can just literally break your leg, the growth of the tumor. Yeah, well, thankfully I didn't get that far. Right. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, but it was uh, it was a trying time, and um, you know it was. Um, How old it, were you again? Sorry, six. Six. Yeah. Where where was it in your leg? Uh, it was in my femur, so it was like right here. Okay. So what they did is they, they you know they you know if, if anybody works or, or knows somebody at the IWK, and I'm sure people do, um, you know they 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 rushed me from North Sydney to Halifax in an ambulance, which was you know for a six year old that's that's a fun time, and. Um, they uh, they told me they did it on monkeys before they did it on me because it was the first time that they'd taken my my calf muscle and flipped it up to where my femur would go and put put a plate in there and six screws. Now I feel like as a six year old you'd be like, "Fuck yeah, that's cool," and as like an adult you'd be like, "Thanks, well, I this that doesn't help." No, it was <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I guess so. Looking back, it's like. You know, the, the, you go into the x-ray and you get your stuffed animals x-ray. You know, that, that kind of stuff's cool. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, it's not that cool in terms of what was happening. You know, yeah. you know, you know that well, right? You know, you know being inside the hospital yeah. uh, is much better visiting than yeah. it is being a patient. Yeah, much How much of that time do you remember? Like, uh, and specifically, like, being in the ambulance, do you have, like, a vivid memory or recollection of that? No recollection at all. Okay. You know, I recollect... Um, you know, some, I, the only thing I really remember is that uh, here's a bombshell. So I also had lung cancer. Um, wow. At the same time, separate. It uh, the cancer went from uh, so I was six, and then uh, by the time I turned eight, then they told me it was in my lung. Um, and uh, I remember coming out of the operating room and then oh, having shit. this tube on the side of my chest Whoa. and trying to pull it out. You know, and not liking that too much. And they were like, the monkeys don't do that. The monkeys don't do that. Yeah, it was just like, this is crazy. You know, and now that I have like a a nine-year-old at home, um, that's, it's weird to, to look at her and think I was that person, yeah, you know, and how right. aware she is and how, you know, of the world and stuff like that. So right. it's just, uh, it was a crazy time. It's and weird you were that age and going through this, yeah. going through this like crazy massive <clears throat> thing in the hospital and tests and all this stuff yeah. and like, like looking at your daughter going, Wow, like I was your age and I was going through all yeah. that. I, I remember for a, a, a long um, part of my childhood growing up, I just assumed that everybody my age had like the same or like relatively the same experience with life. When you were going through, and I don't know if that's crazy or not, did you guys ever feel something like that? Like, never really thought about it. Mm. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, that's, that's because I like, I'm, I'm an intellectual. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so that's probably why it, you didn't it, think, it, just you don't think a lot. So. Not so subtle burn. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm wondering, did, did you think at that time, are you like, oh, whoa, this is, this is different than, you know, because you have a twin brother at the time. So were you like, wow. What you said is not really a twin. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. You're, yeah, fake, but, you're fake twin but brother. For, for sake of uh, comparison, were you, were you looking at that and going, well, why doesn't he have to do this? Like, is, mm. why is his experience different than mine? You know, it's, uh, it's interesting because I, I, because I do the motivational speaking, uh, I often uh, bring comparisons to my brother and I. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> the two jokes I tell is that the first time I had cancer, as we know, your hair falls out. So when my hair fell out, I didn't like it because it grew back curly. And then the second time I had cancer, it fell out. The, the curly hair fell out that I didn't like, and it grew back the way it is now, which is... Salt well, and I, pepper? Yeah, yeah salt and pepper. Short? Yeah, that way. So I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Chlorine. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, um, I, look at, I look at Brett's situation, and I was just, you know, I'm, I'm two cancer, he's zero, but 
I joke around that I'm so much better looking than he is. <laughs> when, when, you, when you go to the hospital, how, how, fast, how fast was it where they were like, this is, this is what's going on, this is what needs to happen. Was the leg amputation something that happened right away? Was it something that you, they came to eventually where they said, you know, we thought we might be able to save the leg, we thought that we could do this or that, and now we know that we, not, we need to take, take, do the amputation, was it Yeah, I, I, it, was pretty, it was pretty much right away. You know, but I, I think that um, I, I, you know we're going to get into um, you know innovation and technology mm -hmm. and how you know that plays a big part in this conference. Yeah, um, I think things are they, they they've changed since then. I think well, the diagnosis yeah. and prognosis of, of what I had uh, wouldn't been thirty five percent. Maybe today it's going to be over fifty, which is great. Well, we <clears throat> so the 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 process and the first time that we had heard of osteosarcoma, like Jared said, was when we talked to our friend Brandon. Um, and he had had an operation called a, what was it called, what was it called? A something uh, plasty? Van Ness, Van Ness rotation, plasty. rotation plasty. Rotation plasty. That's crazy. Yeah. And so what they, they, they do, do that on monkeys too. is they take, so, so he had, so his, from, from his hip to his knee was, 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 you know, was completely, the tumor was huge. They had to get rid of the thigh. So then they took <laughs> his lower leg. How flexible do you think I am right now? They took his lower leg and they twisted it oh my God, all the way Taylor. around like that. They twisted. Oh. They took. They take this. They twist You're it. You're ruining the example, by just. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. There we go. Ladies and gentlemen, this guy was just in a car accident not that long ago. With so, my uh, left yeah. side. Yeah. But what they so, did, what they did was they took the bottom half of his leg, yeah. spun it 180, yeah, and then reattached this bottom part up at his hip. And so his, this, the lower half of his leg but was now his, his new thigh, and his ankle joint was, his, was now his joint. new knee joint. Yeah. And so his prosthetic <laughs> clipped into his foot. His backwards yeah. his <laughs> bottom <laughs> leg. And, yeah. Yeah. and we met Brandon, like, like, how long into the podcast? Six, eight months into the podcast? We were yeah. still recording in Brian's basement. And we were like, sorry, what yeah. is going on? Down? Like, we were totally blown away. It was, it was definitely some, like, Blade Runner... <laughs> Type shit. It very much was. I remember yeah. he sh he showed up to the host and he had sweatpants on and his pants were pinned and like I knew going into it that he had this operation and I was sitting by him on the couch waiting for you guys to turn up and I was looking down at his sweatpants and I'm like, I know there's a backwards leg under there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're like, I want and you to went, see it so yeah. bad. He went, Sh show it to me. Yeah. Yeah. Show it to me. And, and what's <laughs> yeah. what's really crazy is is it was so fresh. Yeah, that just it, he wasn't completely sealed on the on the back end of himself. Yeah. So like he, like where they attached it to the back of his thigh, he's like, yeah, it's still kind of like mm. attaching. It was su it was super gnarly, and the but, photos were, were wild. But, but all that being said, in the vein of in the vein of innovation, innovation is yeah. um, like w was that e was that even something that was being done back then? If if you so. know, like what what types of things are they could they do with um, someone who is a young kid finds that they have osteosarcoma today versus what they what their options were with you when you when you had it yeah i mean i i'm not sure if if you know back then but i do know that i've obviously i've come across that situation with people that i know or people i've competed against mm -hmm. um it's not something that i would have chose for myself um but certainly for the people that, that have got it um it helps their quality of life mm -hmm. because it gives them that flexibility <laughs> yeah. with their knee um, it's not the most aesthetically pleasing situation, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but from a functional perspective, it, uh, it, it works. Yeah. And I think it's just something that you get used to, and, and if you're the glass half full kind of person, then, then that works for you. And what was the process that you went through uh, in terms of your amputation and, and with, with prosthetics and everything? Yeah, well, it was pretty straightforward. I mean, obviously, when you lose your leg that young, <clears throat> you're still growing. Yeah. So the amount of new prosthetic devices that you get is 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 considerable. So you know, it's just you're in the you're in the the rehab center on Summer Street every other year trying to get something that that fits you properly. Right. Which which is not that easy living up in Cape Breton because they don't have a prosthetic place down there except for some some clinics that they had. So right. you know, it's the constant travel back and forth. You know, getting this thing done. But that's the life you live, and I think the alternative would have been to die, which sucked. Mm -hmm. right. that, yeah, 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 that, that would have <coughs> that you, blew. Did you find yourself um, going a lot without the prosthetic because, like, you would grow to a certain point, and then you wouldn't be able to go down to Halifax to get fitted for a new one, and and that you just, you know, it's just easier to not have to get a new prosthetic, or was it something that you prioritized? I prioritized. Yeah. You know, I think that I, I always like to have it. I always felt sort of 
from a from a, a psychological perspective, I felt better with two legs than I did with one. Obviously, there's a lot of people and people in the audience probably know somebody with one leg, and that's it's natural. Then yeah. it just wasn't as natural in the early '80s to have you know one leg. At least at least as I was concerned, mm -hmm. you know. But nowadays, you see someone with one leg. You know, you the mentality back then was like, oh, you poor deer. Now it's like, oh, that's cool. You know, yeah, good right. on, good on mm -hmm. you for like, you know, making the most of your life. Yeah. Were you, was your prosthetic? Or do you have a do you have a collection of prosthetics that like ones that? Because I'm sure you've had many iterations. Yeah, of please them. tell me you frame them and you just keep them on your wall. Well, that's what Pete, Pete Green Pete Greenwood in in Saskatoon, or they, I guess they're in Vancouver now. Yes, but right. A friend yeah. of ours, another another friend of ours who has a who had his leg amputated. I mean, he has like a closet full of yeah. of. Closet full is a little more hoardy. I was, <laughs> I'm picturing like some nice placards with. But like, again, in the in the in the vein of innovation, yeah. you see his prosthetics that he's gone yeah. through over the yeah. year, mm -hmm. and they go from, you know, basically a, a peg, peg a peg yeah. leg yeah. to you know something with like a hydraulic system in it, and like all these crazy. No, that's totally features. it. I mean, I've donated some of my other legs to the Canadian Prosthetic Hall of Fame. Okay, that doesn't exist, but. Oh, uh, man, I was like, I was like, is that in the museum over there? I went right with it. I was like, of course, of course. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. that's really admirable of you. Of course but, you um, What else would you but, do? But I remember having, having the one, like, you know, this is my leg now, right? So I remember, um, I remember having the one where the, the, the thing fits in and it, it clunks and, it, you know, whatever. But, yeah. but the, the leg I have now, the, like the tattoo that I have there, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because when I go into. Did it uh, hurt? That's the thing. Yeah, I know. I know you have some. I was just trying to. <laughs> but um, I say to I say to the kids when I go to uh, schools to talk to them. I said, "Don't get a tattoo. I got a tattoo of my leg, and it really hurt." Um, so uh, no, I just um, I like to. You wear a lot. Of, I wear shorts, obviously, for summer Paralympic games, and I want everybody to know I'm a Canadian. So that's what I did it. How, how, how does how does that now and like <clears throat> mechanically? How does that leg work? <clears throat> Um, because you said you were you were amputated just above the knee. Yeah. So so, how do, how does that work? Like, do you, are we at a point in terms of like the the advancement of technology where? I mean, does this even fucking exist yet? Where you can have control over bending the joint? Not really. Okay. I mean, there's there's knees out there um, that you can get that cost a lot of money. We're talking like eighty, ninety thousand dollars, like a lot. Mm -hmm. um, you need a Tesla for that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, or yeah. yeah. Which there's some great innovation. I would drive in. a Tesla with one leg <laughs> yeah. over having a, a prosthetic leg, a prosthetic leg, that, <laughs> and like a yeah, 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 and like a <laughs> like a 1980. Yeah, totally. Yeah, right. So, um, so yeah. So no, it. Um, I mean, but the, but there's a lot of advances out there. Yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, that's the real cool thing about. You know the space that we're in talking about tonight is that these once you're in it, if you're not in it in this in this innovation technology space, you don't get it. Yeah, you don't. You know, see it. and yeah. then but if once you're inside the tech space and you you immerse yourself a little bit in the biosciences and the life sciences and and, and healthcare, then it start to realize there's some really cool stuff that's oh, that's yeah. happening. Yeah, and it's going to change. You know, you know this better than most. You know, changing some lives. So yeah. Yeah. that's that's really neat. Yeah, it'll mm -hmm. blow your mind. I remember we were at um, we were at a conference, and there, we we met a woman. We 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 did a keynote um, in Ottawa, and we met a woman who I believe she has muscle muscular dystrophy, and she basically had like a hip set up oh, here, yeah. and it was braced all the way down her legs to her ankles, and without it, she she has to use a wheelchair. Um, or, or um, she was a real like, life mech warrior. Yeah, she, yeah. She, yeah. She, she, she had yeah. like bionic, like it was, it was like this sort of like exoskeleton system, mm -hmm. and she's like, yeah, and now, and now I'm in, I'm in med school, and you know, without this, that like <coughs> was ob obviously is a, a, you know, really great example of some incredible innovation that also happens to be subsidized by the government in some capacity as well. You know, she can go to med school, and she can. And she, she was also she was also the least sneaky person I've ever met. She was like, it was. She yeah, was like, it did have that mechanical kind of like. Yeah. I'm going to see the new Terminator 2 this weekend, and I'm pretty sure she's going to be in it. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. So uh, I want. I know. I know we're talking about innovation, but I really want to know about um, how you got into swimming. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a. That actually was a complete fluke. Um, Right, I guess we didn't even tell we didn't even tell you guys what he did in the Paralympics. <laughs> he swims. <laughs> he wins. Yeah, and yeah. he swims. Yeah, yeah win and swim. 
Uh, I would say that I was fortunate. Uh, my aunt knew the uh, national coach at the time for uh, athletes with disability. So uh, it was rigged, you're saying? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a little rigged, yeah. Ooh, and, and, okay. and the, the, so the fun, the fun part was is that uh, so I started my uh, my career at uh, in Sydney and swam there for you know first four or five six months of my my swimming career and they said if you progress you get to go to national championships in richmond british columbia so i'm like that's pretty cool for a kid from cape breton from one side of the country being able to go to another side yeah. of the country that's like almost going to europe right yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh from a distance perspective and probably also cost also more expensive <laughs> probably more expensive yeah, yeah. so out we went and uh i went with my mom and dad and my brother and uh, i swam three races and i was able to come back to uh to um to, to cape breton with three bronze medals and i was brilliant pretty good about myself being the third best athlete in in the country. How old were you at this time? Uh, 15. Okay. Yeah. So, so, um, you, you'd gone, like you had gone at this point, gone through the whole process of, uh, <clears throat> uh, like getting your, I forget what they're called, but like when you do your swimming lesson, swimming Oh no, no I, I failed those. Yeah. You, oh, I really? failed the badges. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Whoa. I know. So they were just like, go. Yeah. And then you were like, ah. You'd think they would even feel sorry for the one-legged guy, but no, they, they failed me. Wow. Did your brother swim too? Yeah. Did you beat him? Oh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Was it, I remember learning to swim. I, I sort of credit uh, Dundee Resort in Cape Breton. It's sort of the first place that I can remember yeah. uh, swimming. And um, I just took off. And then uh, came back from, uh, like I said, came back from national championships. And then just, um, I'm very big on, on, on dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you know goals and objectives and those things are great, but mm-hmm. you know dreams get down to the, the root of what we want to accomplish in life. And thinking about um, you know the the dreams are are your their passion, the hits your soul. And so if you can if you, we have a bunch of dreamers, we're going to accomplish a lot of great things. And I, I had a dream to be world champion one day. Do you mean that from the perspective of of dreams in the sense that they are sort of like a really raw and unfiltered version of what you of, of what you want, rather than sort of like the practicality that comes with a lot of goals and things? Like, do you mean dreams from that from that perspective? Sort of like thinking thinking what thinking in what most people would consider to be something that you can't. Yeah, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of like oh I can't do that I can't do this but if you really believe that you can do something then why can't you I mean I'm a kid from Cape Breton who wanted to be a world champion one day under most circumstances somebody would tell you hell no yeah. you know that's not going to happen yeah mm-hmm. you're the, the people in Cape Breton are not especially those, missing a leg yeah you know like people in Cape Breton are yeah. not those people and I'm yeah. like yeah. yeah they are yeah you know people in Nova Scotia are not those people yeah they are <laughs> you know like you can't compete against somebody even from Ontario. Yes, I can, and I'm going to compete against the world. I'm going to, I'm going to beat yeah. them all. Well, I want to yeah, just take that. a second to uh, rifle through some of your accomplishments in swimming because <laughs> it is uh, it's it's impressive. Uh, 1992 bronze Paralympic Games in Barcelona, 400 freestyle. 1996 bronze Paralympic Games in Atlanta. 1996 Paralympic Games in Atlanta again, uh, bronze for different styles, right? Uh, I, I should name them all. Jer's a swim enthusiast. He's just bronze, choosing not bronze, to say bronze, what the discipline is. Bronze year 2000 Paralympic Games in Sydney for 100 butterfly. Gold, 1994, the Calm Games Victoria 100 freestyle, the Commonwealth Games. Uh, gold, 2000 Paralympic Games, Sydney, 400 medley relay with a world record. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, yeah. For real. Oh, there's a couple more. <laughs> Gold in 2002, World Championships in Argentina, 100 butterfly. Gold in 1998, World Championships in New Zealand, 400 medley relay with a world record again. And gold in 1998, uh, World Championships New Zealand, 100 butterfly. The chronological order of that on your website is all fucked up. <laughs> so, if yeah, you want to do that. What the fuck? Do you just walk around with I that? Just, I, just, I just say that um, I, I don't talk about the bronze and the silvers anymore. Okay. So, yeah, I got you, I got you. you know, I just talk How's about, that for a kid from Cape Breton, though? Yeah. Wow, look how cool this is, man. Yeah. That is awesome. Did you bite it? No. Why do they do that? I don't know. But, I, mean, I was going to ask the, if I can bite the it. Funny part, the funny part is, is, like, is, is these two. Oh, this um, will give you neck problems, Like that I don't bring. So, so the joke, yeah, the joke here, the this phone. is Commonwealth Games. This is Commonwealth, my Commonwealth Games gold medal, 100 meter freestyle. And uh, there's a dent in my medal uh, because Prince Edward was giving it to me and he dropped it. 
and they offered me the chance that's to that's the coolest they, tr- they offered me a chance to get a new one yeah and I said no of course yeah. not that's cool yeah of course and then this one um, is my world championship gold medal in that stroke you can't pronounce it's called butterfly 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 and and I on the back of the medal I have the word finally well because you know again it's a dream and you know if you say to somebody that's going to the Olympics or Paralympics they said to them what do you think about making a team what do you hear back? You don't hear, oh, that was a goal of mine forever. You hear, that was a dream of mine forever. Mm-hmm. And to win these medals and do what I did uh, was a dream of mine uh, to be able to do that. And, and the good part now about having accomplished this, especially in this province, is I have the opportunity, like you guys, to be able to go out and inspire people. Yeah. And that's a very uh, thing that I take seriously to be able to um, you know, spread the word that we can do anything. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Well, speaking of inspiring, uh, I just want to show everybody this because I watched this while I was at home today. It was, this is hella exciting. It's very quick because obviously you are very quick. Um, so this is the Commonwealth Games, correct? Yeah, so they had, uh, um, the suits were funky back then. So I wasn't. Uh, oh, jeez! It's, yeah, it's, it's not like the cross-dressing games. Oh, yeah. it, was a, it was a nice, yeah. uh, it was a nice high cut. So <laughs> we can tell who you are, though. Yeah, I've got the fun suit on in the middle. <laughs> now everybody that you're swimming with has it's sort of the same dip, disability. Sort of the same. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's 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 called like S nine for my classification. Uh, so everybody in this race was from that that level. So these are my contemporaries among the Commonwealth. The guy to above me, sort of with the the yellow cap, the Australian. The Australian. Um, you know, I joke here, I would have been, what, 20 years old? So you would have been like 20... 1994, so now we know how old you are. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that was, a, that was a, I gave away, but... Uh, <clears throat> but Look how close is oh, I had oh. people yelling at the television, and who does that in the room? I mean, be, be honest. Oh my God, <laughs> I yell. I, I know you do, when you yeah. see something like this, oh, and then no, they're no, yelling oh at God. the television to go quicker. And at this point, the Australian looks like he is tiring. Haley looks like he's going to take the lead. And then now it's going to be like Andrew Haley, you know, sort of gold for Canada, blah, blah, oh. blah, blah. And even at this point, you still don't know, right? Oh, man. So the cool Dude, thing watch, about this watch is... Watch your face, though. Oh, this, 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 is, is, the, this, this is, is the joke. Favorite. Is this the world record? No, oh, not yeah. there. <laughs> so they said... Um, that uh, you look young there, by the that, way. Yeah, I was. That was pretty. Good. <laughs> that, that, that was. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Do that, thanks, Jeremy. Uh, that was. That, that was two years before contact lenses. <laughs> and uh, I, I thought I had the chance to uh, to win, the, you know, the, set the world record. But of course, I fell, I fell short. But I mean, middle, winning the medal was the important part. But they said, if you win, you're going to get interviewed by Ron. You know, McLean. McLean. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so cool. Like, so uh, I get interviewed by Ron a couple times, and uh, it, was, it, was a really, it was a really interesting experience. And, and also another fun fact of this competition, <clears throat> after the meet was over, um, there was a certain uh, musical group uh, from Mabu uh, who was uh, performing downtown in the Victoria Waterfront. Uh, we all know them as the Rankin family. And uh-huh. I was super excited to see <laughs> them yeah you know that must be a treat and because of what i did i pulled some strings and i had a backstage meeting with uh, raylene and cookie and john it was it was great the most cape breton thing i've ever it was just it was it was it was great you know and uh that was like i I won the gold medal to meet the Rankin family so that was that was pretty cool that's so sweet when you were um when you were young um you know you mentioned you mentioned that you know back then you lose a leg and people kind of look at you more of, you know, it's different now, then it's kind of like, oh, poor, poor you, this sort of thing. What sort of, um, when you're getting into swimming, 
Um, and you know, you, you, you have a leg amputated, and you want to be an athlete, and you want to get into you, you want to get into competition. Yeah. What, uh, <laughs> what are the challenges that that come with that? What kind of things did you face? Did you have any obstacles? Did you have any any? any did you have na the naysayers, or you know, don't you don't compete, don't be an athlete, that sort of thing? Yeah, I think I had those naysayers. I think the the first naysayer was me. You know, the the idea that I didn't want somebody to see me with one leg. Um, but ironically. Um, it, it changed completely 180 when I got into the pool. Because when I got in the pool, I didn't care who saw me or what was going on. That was sort of my new happy place. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, was, it was an exciting spot for me to be to, to find a sport that I could excel in and that I could just gradually get better and better and better. Mm -hmm. And uh, there wasn't that many sports that were sort of uh, adaptive, if you will, in terms of somebody with a disability to, to continue on. Now we have the you know, pair ice hockey and there's a bunch of other sports that you can, you know, you can make it. Um, but uh, by then I was I was just I was just so blown away by the success. Mm -hmm. You know, I mentioned that I won three bronze medals um, coming back to coming back home, but there's only three athletes in the race. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, at that point, it did. Yeah, I know it's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> I just let out another joke, another another secret. <clears throat> but um, but it 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 was all in the on the process of of being better. Mm -hmm. You know, and my personal motto is. I want to be better today than I was yesterday, and I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. Mm -hmm. And if you can accomplish that, um, and then also that excellence is not a, a now and then thing, you know, I think sometimes the kids, they, they think that they can be good today and not good tomorrow, and, and it, it's, but the excellence is a complete mindset. Mm -hmm. And if you want to accomplish something, you know, whether it's goals or dreams or whatever, you need to have full commitment. Because there is so many external, um, things in life that'll knock you off, that'll take, that'll take that focus away from you, mm -hmm. that if you're not completely focused on what you're doing, um, you're, you're doomed. Mm -hmm. And being open to, being open to uh, find the thing that's gonna make you come alive. I, I know that we were talking earlier today about um, the Kevin Smith episode with Joe Rogan, and they were, they, they, there was a segment of their conversation um, where they were talking about um, how you know, they were both sort of on this path and you know, didn't really, weren't really finding their groove in life, didn't really think too much of themselves, blah, 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 having all these issues, but you know, trying, trying things, and you know, one found filmmaking, one found uh, Taekwondo, and then all of a sudden it's like, I'm alive. Yeah. And, and being open to trying those things, you know, if, 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 you don't, if you don't take that jump to get into the pool and realize that that's the thing that makes you come alive and the thing that makes you want to compete and be better and, and, and find that excellence, then you know, who, who, who knows, who knows where, where you are you know, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, yeah. but being open, to, being open to that opportunity, uh, you get in the pool and you, follow down, you go down this path and you realize your dreams and you, you make your goals or you, you attain your goals and, and here you are today. Uh, I'm curious about uh, kind of like nature versus nurture. You seem like a, a, um, quite like a, a confident individual and I mean anybody who, who dreams as big as you dreamt and, and achieves that, uh, re realizes that dream, I'm sure that there's something in, inside of you that, that deep down you know and believe that you can, you can do that. Mm -hmm. um, do you attribute any of that to overcoming um, your battle against cancer as a six-year-old? I think, I think that um, you know, it's, it's just about mindset. You mm -hmm. know, if, and when I came back home, I had a mindset to, I, there's two things. I could either have been this poor little kid with one leg that people would probably, you know, I felt, I felt sorry for myself. They'd be like, well, it's okay. You know? Probably give you more porridge when you ask for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like, Wait, no, they didn't give that kid porridge. Or was it soup? I don't know. Did okay. anybody get that? <laughs> Oliver Twist? <laughs> do they give it to him? <laughs> right. He'll do better on his next joke, I <laughs> promise. <laughs> but, uh, Sorry, where were but, we? So, so, but, or do you think, was, was swimming something that gave you confidence, or do you feel like you were just kind of born this way with this you know, mindset, or, or with the ability to like, construct this mindset to pursue excellence? Well, I think that uh, if you face something like I faced as a young child, beating the, the odds, I think you get to the point where you're like, I, I, I can't stop now, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I, I've, I've beat the odds twice. So it would be a disservice to life to, to give up, mm -hmm. you know? Cause so, I mean, Jeremy can tell you the same thing. I mean, when we're- I think uh, it's a choice though. I do too. I well, think, I, think it, I really think that it, it boils down to like, <coughs> a, and whether or not that choice is like one moment, 
where you see that and you go, okay, I have two paths which I can choose. One is to wallow in my own filth, or the, the, the other is to like push myself to be the best I absolutely can be with the time that I have left here. Or it's, it's like through a series of moments that sort of nudge you over into the <coughs> other path without you really realizing it until you kind of look back. Because you feel like you've kind of gone down both of those paths. I feel like I've had both of those. But the yeah. thing that I find interesting about illness specifically <laughs> is that when, you know, a lot of people go through life and they might just be getting by until they have this experience where they um, uh, encounter illness, um, physical illness specifically. But then when they recover, um, something that I think needs to be focused on more is your mental health. Yeah. Because when you overcome physical um, illness, you still have mental health, and, and that can either affect you, like, like you guys said, negatively, or it can affect you positively. So how do we be aware of the mental health side of things, and how do people who are feeling down and defeated by their illness, how do they change their mindset to adopt this like positivity and this idea that excellence and the pursuit of excellence is possible. Yeah, it's hard because I mean, you want to, um, you know, it, there's so much talk now about mental health, mm -hmm. you know, and it's it's at the forefront of society today about how to deal with somebody who who's suffering. I mean, disability is not uh, limited to a physical disability anymore. Mm -hmm. It's it's li it's. It, it, it manifests itself in many different ways from somebody who has a social disability where they just don't want to go outside. You yeah. know, they don't mm -hmm. want to be that person to go out. Yeah. Yeah, they may have two arms and two legs, but they don't want to participate in anything. They don't want to be around anybody. It's, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. And I think all you can do is try to support. <clears throat> sometimes you just don't know. Yeah. You know. And that's sometimes where suicide happens, where it's like, I had no idea that person was suffering. Yeah. And, and then, and then <clears throat> that self-thought, like, ooh, how could I have supported that person anything better? Mm -hmm. But I think is if we just become aware and, and support the best we can. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had that support, so I was lucky, you know, and, and encouraged, and encouraged to, to try, and if you fall, you know, it's not the amount of times you fall that matters, it's the amount of times you get up. Mm -hmm. And I think if we keep reinforcing that, you know, this, this don't reinforce the negativity. Mm -hmm. and, and failure is okay, but feeling defeated is not okay. So we can encourage effort because effort may lead to failure, but as long as failure leads to um, growth and learning, mm -hmm. they're gonna be a lot better. Yeah, mm -hmm. failure is success practice. And, and you know, something, probably one of the biggest learnings that we've had over the past few years doing the podcast is, is and especially probably in the last year, is that mental health and physical health aren't mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. They are very much intertwined together. And, uh, and, and when somebody is, when somebody has a, a disability or they have an illness, that there's oftentimes a, 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 a consequence of, of mental health struggles. And that, thing, that those things need to be um, at least paid, att paid attention to in the way that, you know, like, what's, what's really great about your, like, when you go to clinic for your CF, that you have access to a team and part of that team is a psychologist. Yeah. And you go and you do your lung tests and you do all your, you do all your, your, your clinic stuff and, and a part of that is to see a psychologist, to see what is the mental, what is the toll on your mental health that yeah. like, this physical disease that affects your lungs and your digestive system, how does that, how does that play into how you walk through life every day and deal with, mm -hmm. with people? I think that, that's Have, have you run into that much in your life, like, like struggle with your mental health? Due to living with a disability, sometimes yeah. you know maybe in the winter time when it's really difficult to uh, like to, accessibility to walk, wise, yeah, you know on ice, <laughs> uh, you fall, and you know you see people whizzing by you, no problem, two legs, ice is no problem. I ice can guarantee you, those people whizzing by you, they're they're it's fucking coming. They're gonna they're, <laughs> they, they, they go around the corner a little too quick. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, but I mean for me, you know, as I was, uh, I remember like living in Toronto one day and and it was especially cold and icy, and I was like, you know, really gingerly trying to get to work, and there's like people going by me, and I was kind of feeling down about myself, like how, fa how slow I was taken. And then something just switched inside me that said, does that person have a gold medal? I don't think so. And I was good with it again. <laughs> I feel, I, I've been eyeing up your, uh, your ring on, on your right hand there. It's, it's got the, um, the Olympic symbol. The Olympic symbol on yeah. it, and it's the ring finger. I feel like if you ever just had that feeling, instead of flipping someone off with the middle finger, you just go, 
Check it out. <laughs> Got one of these. I mean, like, Olympian, what have you done? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. One interesting thing that, that I was just kind of, that popped in my mind when I was talking <coughs> about you going to clinic, Jer, was that something that, um, something that I know that is, always blew my mind about Jeremy's situation is the thank fact you, that- Thanks so you're, much, thank you. You're welcome, my friend. <laughs> is that mind, uh, when Jeremy and I met, um, I remember you telling me about how when you were uh, up until you were like 10 or something like that, you would go to these camps for kids who have CF because you know, you can, you're going to a camp with all these kids that share the same struggle that you do. Yeah. And how amazing that is that you can come together um, and, and you know, it's just a whole bunch of people that know exactly what you're going through. Yeah. And then at some point they go, wait, hold on, we just found out that you, kids with CF can't hang out with each other because they could give each other bacteria and those bacteria could deteriorate their health really quickly. Mm -hmm. And so they have to separate that. Now, you can't, tech, you're not supposed to be close to anybody who has CF. Yeah. And how much of a, and how crazy that can be on the mental I mean, health it, side of things. Yeah, there's that. I mean, also physically it can be dire for someone living with cystic yeah. fibrosis. And I mean, I mean, coming back to like the, the topic of the importance of innovation and like the ways that innovation um, within the, the health and sciences sector kind of exists in a way that people like, well, these people, y'all probably know pretty well like what it means and, and how it exists and why it's important, but like, maybe you guys don't really know that much and, and don't really fucking care because it doesn't matter to you. Um, because it's not part of your life, and it's not, you know, it's not something that you deal with on a constant basis. Now, I'm making general assumptions here. Maybe all of you have cancer. I don't know. Um, um, uh, I hope not. <laughs> but who knows? Um, but that, there, you know, that, that, that discovery of, of people living with cystic fibrosis can, can literally kill each other by just, by just giving each other a hug. Um, that is due to innovation in, in the health and sciences sector. You know, that's like, that is something have to have that a medical is, alert on just to say, hey, CF guy, yeah, don't well, hug right. me. Well, I mean, when I, like, when I go to events that are, that are CF specific, um, uh, whether I'm speaking, like giving a keynote or, or hosting the event, um, one of two things will happen. People with cystic fibrosis that want to attend are told that they can't, um, which fucking sucks. Uh, or the people that do somehow slip through the cracks uh, and show up need to wear this like big blue ribbon <laughs> and walk around like they've won a prize or something. But the prize is do not go near that, that person there or do not go near that person there. Um, I, yeah. I kind of want to segue to the work that you're doing now, but um, through this conversation or this lens of mental health first, um, because I know that for an athlete that has achieved the pinnacle of achievement in their sport, and then all of a sudden, like they've been investing 24 hours a day, seven days a week for years and years and years to accomplish and achieve their dreams. All of a sudden they decide that they're gonna retire. Mm. Um, how did that affect you? Was there any uh, difficulty transitioning to this next phase of life? Yeah, well I'd say that um, I have not officially, I've been retired probably for about 10 years. I have not officially given my retirement papers to Swimming Canada. <laughs> so I guess I'm not officially retired, but, um, I, um, life just kind of turned a little bit for me. I had gone to four Paralympic Games. I would qualified in 2008 for my, my fifth games. It was in Montreal and uh, I declined my selection to the team um, because I, while I made the team <clears throat> and I was happy with that accomplishment, I didn't have anything left to prove. I didn't need to go to China for a free trip. So, um, so I backed away from that and then I got married later on that year. So for me, things sort of just changed. I mean, sure, I, I, love, I love swimming, I love being in the pool, I love what, you know, what it's given to me. Um, and I, I know there's a lot of people who struggle with, with the aftermath of you know, being an athlete because, like you said, it's all consuming. Mm -hmm. you know, what, what do you do after the fact? And you know, there's now programs for that, getting back to that mental health issue because mm -hmm. it's very difficult you know, everybody's gonna enjoy the Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics next year, but then there's gonna be many athletes who will retire after those games and face an uncertain future because they gave everything to their sport. But it's funny because it's almost like, it's almost, it's almost like <coughs> athletes kind of face that same experience as somebody who living with illness does because they, there's, it's that period of uncertainty. It's that I don't know where I'm gonna go after this. I, this one thing has defined
define me and my existence for yeah. this extended period of time and now all of a sudden I have to change who I am and the trajectory of my life or yeah. pursue this other mm -hmm. avenue. And I, I just wonder if that's exacerbated when you're actually somebody who has overcome the, the uh, living with a, a physical illness as well. Yeah, for me, I just, um, I mean, when did, I what, what did you decide to, like, how did you make that transition? From like, being retired to, like... To going into uh, mm -hmm. another career, or to a career. Yeah, well, I'd already been, like, I was, when I retired, I was working full-time already. Okay. So, um, I mean, that, <coughs> I think that helped to spend a little more time with, you know, by the time I retired, um, I was... I was just sort of transitioning off. I, I think I knew that my, my skills were deteriorating to the point where just going to a competition to maybe make finals was not who I was. Right. You know, going to, to medal or going to make finals easy, that's who I was. And uh, there's a lot of athletes that, that retire in their prime that you kind of be like, what? That mm -hmm. person's done already? And, um, and I felt that I, I wasn't going to be a hanger on. Mm -hmm. And I had some other things to do and focused yeah. on, on work and family and, and my speaking. And there's, there's, uh, you can get inspiration in other, other avenues. And I found that. I mean, at that level, if you're not 100% in, you're, uh, you're pretty much 100% out. You know, like, because you, you, it, demands, it, demands it demands every ounce, every ounce of you. Yeah. I kind of think about, I kind of think about um, you know, I had, a, I, I, had a, I had a fairly, like, simple transition out of, out of athletics when I was around 20. Like, you know, I kind of, I, I, I got out of being a, a full-time athlete around the time that it was a very much appropriate to me and I, I, could, I could sort of like slip right back into- Selling drugs. Selling drugs, yeah, just selling drugs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, only for a brief period. Um, and- uh, That's all he needs. <laughs> And, <laughs> and and but when you are like kind of just just kind of piggybacking on what Brian said, like it is a you, you are you are you are getting out of a of a life that v disability or not, very few people have the opportunity to dedicate themselves to sport. Yeah. And so you're, you know, you're living a very different life than, than the, pe the people around you. Did you find it, do you, did you find it hard, to, hard to sort of like relate life-wise to, to, to like the day-to-day -day career? I did, I did. And, and I think for a couple years after that, my wife kept saying that I was living in the bubble you know, because you, that's, that's, you know yourself as an athlete mm -hmm. and you almost define yourself as an athlete, and and to get to the point where that's not who you are anymore, you know, it was the joke was when I was living in Nova Scotia that um, my name was Andrew, and my brother's name was the brother of the swimmer, you know, yeah. and and that's that's just kind of what it was for for a while, um, you know, things have sort of leveled out. But you were like you were just diving like diving off the boardroom table into the carpet, and people were like Andrew. Yeah. You're not a swimmer anymore. You're like, oh, fuck, sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Like, I would be lying on the carpet at home doing this. Yeah, yeah. And be like, what are you doing? Training. I'm training. You know? what, so, what do you do now? And I know you're, you're, you've, you've mentioned a couple times that you are a public speaker. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and you speak, um, I mean, clearly, like, you, you basically dropped, like, three TED Talks uh, in the last, like, 50 minutes. Um, uh, so that's clear. But you, what else do you do? What other what other work are you you involved in? Yeah, so right now I'm uh, I'm with a company called uh, <laughs> Talayton, um, and they uh, they're a funding innovation company that's it's in Toronto, and you know it's been interesting over the funny course. innovation like they're innovating comedy. They're fun. Oh, okay, funding. Oh, funding. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, so gotcha. it's an international company that does um, a lot of innovation grants. Uh, so a lot of people in the room know what Shred and IRAP and those types of things. Uh, but beyond that, uh, it's been a really interesting journey so far with them because. I get to find out about some really cool innovation. You know, and that's what probably, you know, brought me back to Halifax. And, you know, I, the last couple of days I've met with some, you know, some leaders of, of different companies and talking about their products and the amount of and, and innovation and technology and, and just general good things happening here. It's very, very inspiring. Do you have any examples of stuff like that that like might like blow some of like the non-tech by health and sciences innovation crowd kind of like blow their minds a bit? 
uh, some, from the technology perspective? Yeah, like some of the stuff that you've heard of or some stuff that's like in the works right now that's coming out of Atlanta, Canada especially? Um, so I talked to, um, I talked to somebody to yesterday who um, is doing this, um, um, they look like they're doing like cancer and they're trying to target cancer cells trying to like, honestly you know, come along to the cure for cancer. Um, and there's, they're trying to look at biomarkers and how your genetic makeup can, can help determine whether you're gonna have something or not. Right. And then they really try to focus on, on that. Um, you know, I talked to somebody earlier today who has a glue for, for orthopedics and that, that glue helps uh, with joints you know, get together instead of having, um, uh, having a, a, like a plate or screws or something like that, the glue goes in that helps the joints a little bit easier Whoa. to bond. Glue back together? Yeah, the glue so back together. So like a less rigid structure sort of idea than, than it would be with metal? Yeah, so there's, there's, they're still kind of growing, yeah. you know, and uh, they got a lot of, um, a lot of good backers and fun. You must have, I, I love, like sci-fi is my favorite. Like I, I don't know if anyone noticed, but I made a Blade Runner reference earlier. Uh, it's my favorite movie. Uh, this, like I, every year, I, there's so many things that are happening that make me so excited to be living in the future. Like I just, I look around and I'm constantly <clears throat> blown away by what we are able to achieve and like, and, and where we are going. Um, you know, not to like, not to direct this to back to me, but, um, but like, for example, right now, there's a, it's a really exciting, and I feel like I, I should make, I should state this here while I'm here because it's a, there's a, a lot of excitement happening right now in the CF community. And like this, this is where, this is where innovation within this <coughs> part of the world, like innovation in the, in the health and sciences sector means the most to me. Um, the CF community is kind of like losing their minds right now because there's this miracle drug that has come out. Um, the FDA has approved this drug in the States and it's like, it's doing its rounds in the media, you might have heard of it already, but it's called Trikafta. And basically this drug, um, it like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking butcher it, so if anybody out here in the Q&A can correct me please, but it basically like, um, it fandangles with your genetics. So like you, you, take this, you take this drug and instead of treating the symptom, like my cough, it actually is treating in a way my genetic mutation. Mm. And so it almost stops the, the disease where it is. It's not really a cure. But it's like the next best thing. A cure in the way that you need to keep taking it. You don't just like, they don't just give you something and then. That's right. So let me ask you this question then to follow up that. So I, I read about that and I read about the cost involved in taking that. Right, it's how, like $380,000. innovation, how can you call it funding innovation when the cost for a lot of people is so prohibitive? Mm. Yeah. You know, so you yeah. have something that somebody came up with that gets the hopes up for the CF community or the cancer community or the, you know, fill in the blank community. Yes. You know? And, and this, is, and this then, is the And this then is all of a sudden they say, here's this great drug, get y'all excited, and then they say, this is how much it costs, and it's out of reach for the average And person. that's the thing, is that there's all this excitement because this drug now exists. Uh, but right now, in Canada, the way, it, the way it's looking and the way it has looked for the last, like, six, seven years with other drugs similar to this that were like for a much smaller population like Orcambi and Coladico, those drugs still aren't available to the people that are suffering with CF. But so like for, for me, where Trikafta could work, right now it's like holy shit, that would change my entire life. But without the push <laughs> towards innovation to get that into my hands. Mm. But it's innovation around the process. Like it's innovation around, there's so much red tape and I feel like we have this really competitive attitude as a society. We're, we're more adverse than having a collaborative attitude. And I think that there, there's so many brilliant ideas and they, I personally believe that they take too long sometimes to actually get to market and get into the hands of the people that that need them the most. It blows my mind that there could be a drug that exists in the world right now today and people are taking it that is basically reversing or, or curing, in quotation marks, their CF, and you can't get that right now. I know, like, I've, been, I've been plotting, um, I like looked up where Vertex is and I'm like, all right, where's their entrance? Headquarters? And then just, yeah, just like their HQ. But, it's, uh, but I think, I think we need, we're, yeah, we're, gonna, we're gonna go steal a bunch of it. So. But we really need to be innovating <laughs> around innovation, which is, it's, it's so meta, but it's, I think it's something that's really, <laughs> so, meta. Yeah. so meta. It's like a dream within but a dream. But it's so important, like there, 
<laughs> and I think we're doing a good job at, at, at collaborating more to do that, but I think it's something that should be more of a priority. And I have this, I have this thought when we talk about that, in, uh, that, that my, my initial thought, because I, I, tend to, I tend to sort of like take a step back from these things and go, and I, well, this is a, something that I always tell myself is what do I know? And then I actually try to think about that and go, well, what do I know? Do I, do I, do I have some expertise in this? Can I educate myself on it? And so my first, my first inclination when we talk about how do we get this into the hands of people faster, I go, well, what do I know about getting a drug from, from you know, be, development to funded by government um, uh, health programs? And I go, I don't know anything about that. But then at the very same time, I think it's people it's people that don't, might not know very much about how that process works that start screaming from the rooftops going, but we need it. Uh -huh. like people like Jeremy need it. I spoke to a, a doctor from McGill on the phone the other day and basically she told me, you just have to make enough noise. Yeah, make like, noise. Make enough, and it's, and often I mean, we spoke to Maddie Vanstone in, in uh, Toronto about, uh, not Orcombi, but what was the other, Kaleidico. Uh -huh. And she, she has the genetic mutation for that Kaleidico treats and she just, Made a ton of noise and advocated for two years. She was and like, she's on it. She was like ten at the time, and and now and now like you know. She, but she started the process and she's mm. making noise, and that's mm. how that stuff happens. Mm. So there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah, yeah. But again, it's that's cool. It's <laughs> like it's people like Bionova that are that are making big change, and people like yourselves <laughs> that that are that are making big change and. I think that's you know that's that's what's important. Well, that's a, that's the cool thing about the health and health and life sciences sector here is that it's like, the thing I love about Halifax is it's a big city but it's a small city like yeah. it's small enough that you can actually affect change. We can work together. We can collaborate. But also we have enough people here that we have the pen, potential to change the world. And I, I really resonate with the message that you had, Andrew. Is like it just because you're somebody from Cape Breton, Sydney, Halifax, wh whatever, is, as long as we dream and dream big, we can achieve that. We can change the world. We can make it a better place. You know, it's really interesting that, um, you know, Bionova works with, you know, New Brunswick, PEI, Newfoundland, share resources, share information. You know, we don't have this, you know, that's, that's what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, the, mm. these, 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 these hubs need to share information and, and, and that's to the betterment of everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that um, uh, Bio, Bio New Brunswick here right now? In here? Uh, is watching here? One, one person. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, me! Yeah, they have a, the, furry, the furry greeter, I think, was watching, right? Think, right? Um, but I mean, they're, they're, they're all collaborating at the same time. Yeah. And, um, and I think having, you know, to, for me as an athlete, when you look at team, you know, people look at that word, oh, team, you're we're part of a team, you guys are a team. Uh, but team is like together everyone achieves more. And I think if you have the idea. Uh, did in, you just make that up right now on the spot? I did not. <laughs> Take a look. That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> but uh, but, it, but it, if, you have, um, if you have that as your, as your goal, you know, as your mantra that we're going to work together, you know, all the companies work together about, you know, best practices and whatnot. And I think Halifax um, and the Maritimes in general is a perfect place for that because mm -hmm. I think people are, they're pretty chill here. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, the life sciences and health and you know, that, whole, that whole ecosystem is, is exploding. Um, and it's so fascinating to, to watch it go that way. Mm -hmm. and, and events like this help, help that narrative along. <coughs> you know? And it's just, you know, it's a really cool thing because like I said, way back in the day when I had cancer, things are a lot different right now because of advancements. And as the advancements continue on, what we're talking about today, what's, what's gonna take place between today and next year, is gonna be phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And then what's gonna take place from next year to the year after that is even more phenomenal than that. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the really um, exciting thing to know what the possibilities, you know, we don't know what the possibilities are, that's why they call it the future. Um, but I'm sure they're going to be endless. Yeah, yeah. yeah like Jeremy said, like it, it, it's, it's exponential, and every and it is in times like these where things move so fast that you really do feel like you're you are in the future. Yeah. I, I am disappointed that you said together everyone achieves more, and not teamwork makes a dream work. Because I really pegged you for more of a dreamer than that. But <laughs> that's okay. 
teamwork makes a dream work. Yeah, that you don't know that also one? a good joke, Brian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll use that one. You guys are really uh, bang on tonight. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us on uh, on the couch tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really means a lot. And I want to say thank you to BioNova for having us. This is It's always a pleasure mm-hmm. to be a part of something that is again, cultivating such change. Absolutely. Um, and I want to thank all of you for just coming out and hanging out with us. Um, you know, this, this, this podcast, these types of conversations, they would not be possible if it weren't for the people who are on the other end that are listening. And so um, selfishly, uh, I thank you for that. But also, um, I think you should give yourselves a round of applause for all the help that it's giving others who are out there listening who really need to hear mm-hmm. things like this. So give yourselves a round of applause. Thank you all for that. For the sake of the recording, here we go. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Andrew. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.